We have a special request. What drives Shawnee and I to do this podcast and our day jobs is to try and help investors reach their financial goals. Whether you're in retirement or just starting out, we want to hear your story and how Morningstar has helped you build a better financial future for your family. We're filming a short set of testimonial videos that will go through your journey. If you're a Sydney-based Morningstar Premium subscriber and you'd like to take part, the link to the surveys in our episode notes. If we pick you, we'll extend your premium subscription for a year as a thank you for helping out. Thanks and looking forward to hearing from you. Welcome to another episode of Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your personal situation, circumstance, circumstances or needs. <laughs> Great start. I know. I've said I've said that so many times that you think I would have memorized it by now. I think that's where we most often like screw stuff up. up. Yeah. We we screw up actually all over the place and I these think things. so, yeah. Poor Will. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, Shani, it is Boxing Day that this is getting released. It's not yes. Boxing Day that we're recording this. Have you decided what you're doing for Christmas? Because I told you my traditions. Have you decided? I'm going to Singapore. You know this. That's exciting. I know, but not everyone listening to this knows this. Okay, yeah, no. So it, how many tests do you have to do? Um, Yeah, it's literally, I am going through the, like, COVID, like, I don't know what, the 12 COVID tests of Christmas, <laughs> maybe is a good way to describe yeah. it. So yeah, I'm trying to go to the cricket this weekend in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. So Radelaide. Okay, Radelaide, apparently. Um, so I have to be tested twice there and quarantined in my hotel room for half of the time I'm down there. Mm-hmm. And then I get to come back here and then start all the tests to go to Singapore. If you're an Investing Compass listener in Adelaide, you should drop Mark some sympathy beers to his hotel. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I need to get tested before going to Singapore. I get mm-hmm. tested in the airport in Singapore. Then I have to get tested three days into Singapore. Then I have to get tested before I come back. Then I get tested when I come back to New South Wales. And then I have to get tested six days after I'm back in New South Wales. That's a lot. It's a lot. So what what are you doing for Christmas and Boxing Day? Um, I am going to have a picnic with my family, which is which will be very nice. Um, and watch the Boxing Day test, of course, and maybe go up to Mrs. Macquarie's chair in Sydney Harbour and watch um, the start of the Sydney to Hobart to be nice. I assume that that involves no COVID tests. Mm, well, I hope so. You know, I actually, <laughs> I have uh, I have tickets to the Boxing Day match. Do you? I bought but them. But you're in Singapore. <laughs> I know. Well, I bought them before they opened the borders. And then as soon as they opened the borders, I, you know, planned my escape. Yeah. Okay. So anyway. Shall we get on with the episode? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So because this is our last episode of the year, we're going to do a bit of a review on the state of the market, which I think will hopefully be a good preview for our upcoming portfolio review episode, which we'll do in mid-January. And today's episode is going to be a little different, hopefully, than other podcast episodes and articles that appear around this time. So we're just going to take the pulse, or as you would say, Shani, check the vibe of the market. Okay. And what we aren't going to do is make a prediction, because despite the fact that everyone and their mother is currently making predictions, none of them have any idea what's going to happen over the short term. I'm the smartest and most informed to that mate of yours, who you wouldn't trust to tell you the weather if you're standing outside in a thunderstorm. Okay. So we're going to explore a couple themes today that the two of us have been thinking about when we look at the market. But first, we'll provide a little bit of context. So recording this episode on December 14th, 
which incidentally is our friend Julia's 30th birthday, which is completely unrelated to our view <laughs> of the markets. But anyway, just so you know what date we're looking at here. If we look at the Vanguard Australian Shares ETF with the ticker symbol VAS, we can see that it's up a little over 12% calendar year to date. And most of this gain came during the first six months of the year, and it's up less than 1% in the last six months. The S&P 500, 500 largest stocks in the U.S., as represented by the iShares ETF, IVV, is up more than 35%. But this, of course, includes the impact of currency movements. If we take out those currency movement impacts, the S&P 500 is up around 25% year-to-date. And then finally, if we turn our attention to the MISCI Developed Market Index, we can see that year-to-date, it's up 27% in Aussie dollar terms. But if we look at the hedge version, it's up around 9.5%. And this is where we're going to look at the first of our themes today that spring to mind when looking at the market, complacency. And this is something that happens after long bull markets because investors get complacent. Investors become more complacent the longer a bull market lasts. And this is another example of how human emotions wreak havoc on investing. In a perfectly rational world, a long run of above average returns would be a signal that we expect lower future returns. And this is simply because to get back to average, you mathematically need below average returns after a run of above average returns. This is how calculating an average works. But as humans, we, of course, aren't rational. So when good stuff happens, like above average returns, we simply raise our expectations. We talk a lot about risk tolerance questionnaires, and one of the reasons that they don't work very well is because people's risk tolerance changes over time. After strong returns, our risk tolerance actually increases. After poor returns, our risk tolerance goes down. And this leads to bad decisions, because when our risk tolerance goes up at the top of the market, we are, of course, buying high. And when our risk tolerance goes down at the bottom of the market, we sell low. Buying high and selling low is not exactly a formula for success. And this is where we are starting to see this creeping complacency as investors start to not only expect good returns, but also forget that markets actually go down. And I know you and I talk about this, but one of the areas that we see signs of complacency is in the notion of buying the dip that we see everywhere now. Buy the dip is an investment strategy that basically says that when the market goes down, you invest more. Now, the problem is that what goes down mean, what goes down means is very open to interpretation. Buy the dip could mean that you invest more when the market falls 25%, or it could mean that you buy more when the market falls 1%. And one of the interesting things about investors becoming complacent is that people kind of go on autopilot and just keep doing what has worked before. And the buy the dip is an example. And the buy the dip is a perfect thing to do when you're in a bull market because the market just keeps going higher. In these scenarios, the market falling is just another pit stop on the way to another high. So you become conditioned to the fact that each fall in the market is just another opportunity to buy more. The problem, of course, with buy the dip is when the bull market ends. Then each fall is followed by another fall and another fall after that. That is when buy the dip becomes a recipe for disaster. The other observation that we've had is this notion of a market fall just being a case of shares being on sale. And I want to start by saying that is something that is a popular saying in investing and one that we very much believe in. But people still seem to take this to mean any fall, no matter how small is shares being on sale. And this, of course, is silly. Shares are not on sale if the market falls 2%. Shares are on sale if the market falls 25%. And these calls that we see everywhere that shares are on sale after falls, what I would describe as noise or just general volatility. And the problem with the way this notion is being interpreted is that it's clearly a trader's mentality. 
because a 2% fall is hardly going to change the valuations a share is trading for. But just like buy the dip, this works in bull markets. should be looked at as a sign of complacency and investor risk tolerances going up. And there are other signs around risk tolerance increasing. We talked about options trading exploding in popularity in the US, but we've also seen record amounts of margin lending in both Australia and the US. And that is, of course, people borrowing to invest, which is another sign that the prevailing mentality for investors is that the market is one directional and that direction is up. We are seeing this attitude on comments on forums. We're seeing it in high-risk behaviors such as margin borrowing and options trading. We're also seeing it in fund flows that go into equities. In November, Bank of America announced that in 2021, in less than 11 months, fund flows into equities hit $1 trillion U.S. dollars. And these numbers are staggering when compared to past years. In total, during the past 20 years, between 2001 and 2020, there have been total equity inflows of $800 billion. So in 11 months, there have been more inflows than 20 years combined. Second highest single year was 2017, and they didn't even top the $400 billion mark. And what we need to be careful about with these, of course, is that generally you see these surges at the top of a bubble that investors buy at the wrong time. And companies have responded by going public at a record pace. Through the first three quarters of the year, 785 companies have gone through an initial public offering, according to Faxet. This compares to 555 in 2020. The highest year in history was 96 with 664. And we've seen some companies go public fairly early in their life cycle, particularly in the technology space. 55 US tech companies have gone public in 2021. Of that, 55, uh, only one is down less than 20% from its high. One out of 55 is down less than 20%. Morningstar Premium is designed to help you reach your investing goals. Our coverage spans over 50,000 securities and 2,000 funds and ETFs. Sign up to a four-week free trial through the link in the episode notes to access our global equity best ideas for our top picks across borders. Find shares with sustainable, above-average dividend payouts and the best opportunities at home with five-star Aussie stocks. A Morningstar Premium subscription includes a ShareSide investor plan, allowing you to track all of your investment holdings in one place. And take advantage of ShareSide's investment performance and tax reporting that has been built specifically for the needs of self-directed investors. If you love premium after your four-week trial and choose to subscribe, your subscription may be tax-deductible if you derive income from the share market. Sign up for a free trial today. So we've looked at a couple elements here that I think really define the market. There are signs of complacency. There are signs that risk tolerance is changing and people are taking on more risk. So we've seen that in people borrowing money to buy shares, the use of options, flows into equities, and of course, a surge in IPOs. The other profound change that has happened in the last couple of years has been the surge of interest from retail investors. So traditionally making up 10 to 15% of trading volume, retail investors accounted for 25 to 30% earlier this year. And there has been a slop, slight drop off during the third quarter to around 20% when, of course, returns went down. So many of these investors are new and have less experience in volatile markets. And this undoubtedly will have an influence on how markets behave. Since this uh, is a pretty unique situation, it is hard to know how this group of new investors will react to true volatility, to a correction or a bear market. Well, you know, Shani, I think the new investors that listen to Investing Compass will hold up okay. (laughs) 
but I guess we'll see with everyone else. We're a good influence. But we'll- we try to be. We try to be. <laughs> we talked a lot about investor behavior, and that is certainly important, but let's look at the economic backdrop. In this case, we should go back and look at where we were at the beginning of the year versus now. 2020 saw a massive intervention by central banks around the world, and there was no indication that this would change as we heard that low interest rates were here to stay for multiple years. But things have changed. Mm. So inflation, of course, started to pick up, and we heard again and again that it was transitory. Well, now people are thinking it doesn't seem so transitory. Some central banks have started raising interest rates, while many others have brought forward when they expect to start raising interest rates. So to me, this seems like a riskier environment than we had at the beginning of the year. As investors, we, of course, take on risk in order to get returns, and there's always something going on. But we have to assess the risk-return trade-off, and if we are getting fairly compensated for the risk we take. And we should be clear that valuations are historically high. We could run through a whole list of different valuation methods, but we are at levels that we have only reached a couple of times in history. The other thing to note is that if we are entering a higher inflation environment and one where interest rates are going up, it's a different investing environment than most investors have ever experienced. That can increase the risk of making a mistake in a situation where different types of investments would do well than have in the recent past. And we covered this in our infrastructure and listed property episode, but traditionally higher interest rates have not been great for growth shares and some of the market darlings since the GFC, tech shares. Perhaps we're on the cusp of a rotation, or perhaps there will be more of the same to come. So these are some things we've been thinking about in terms of the state of the market leaving 2021. And please note that nowhere in here is a prediction. We don't know what is going to happen, and to be clear, neither does anyone else. So if I describe the market in a word, it is precarious. Inflation is starting to pick up. You might start to see higher interest rates and less central bank intervention. We've got all sorts of signs of speculative excess which historically has been a sign we're in a bubble. At the same time, it's important to note that we could be sitting here a year from now talking about how inflation retreated, interest rates increases were moderate. Perhaps these signs of speculative excess will, in retrospect, amount to nothing. As Warren Buffett said, in the business world, the rearview mirror is always clearer than the windshield. So we'll leave you with the same advice we've tried to consistently provide throughout the last 15 months of Investing Compass. Be thoughtful and deliberate, and most importantly, long-term oriented. Invest with a goal in mind, and remember that achieving that goal isn't about having the highest returns in any single year or having the most exciting and talked-about thing in your portfolio. It's It's about not making a huge mistake and just grinding it out over the years. This is our last podcast for 2021, and we want to thank you for coming along with us on this journey. We started this 15 months ago without any idea of what we were doing. Will had never produced a podcast before, and Mark and I had never been on one before. We tried our best to improve on a weekly basis and put out something that helps all our listeners become better investors, sticks to our investment philosophy, and most of all, is something that we're proud to be a part of. So we'll be back on January 2nd, and hopefully by January 2nd, everyone has recovered from a vigorous New Year's session of the Warren Buffett drinking game. But we hope wherever you've spent your holidays, you are having a great time, whether that is hanging out in Sydney or whether it's at a clinic getting something shoved up your nose. (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much. We would love any comments or ratings that you have in your podcast app, and we will be back in the new year. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, 
situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.